The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. This is the final podcast in our series, It's Not There. And this series, this uh, short series, is dedicated uh, to those who, uh, perhaps under impossible circumstances, found the secret of walking with God and and what that means and how to, uh, by faith, uh, hold the hand of the one that governs the universe. Uh, In addition to that, we have spent the last 20 or so podcasts looking at the lives of ordinary men uh, who walked with God and and what their experience was, all of which were uh, designed, if you will, to encourage the disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ to deepen their walk with God. I believe this is fundamentally the most important endeavor in anyone's life who says, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I think we've taken that high honor and minimized it. And now is the time to uh, resurrect uh, that faith, that desire to walk with God as uh, those that came before us did. Today, the last person that we're going to look at is King Hezekiah. And uh, I wanted to end with his experience for one particular reason. Uh, This man, this king, was facing impossible odds. And he was encountering the ridicule of scoffers. And oftentimes, this is a test to our faith. Those who say to us in so many words, Where's your God? Show me your God. Show me what he can do. And at times we are at a loss as to how we ought to, how to uh, um, respond to them. And I want to give you a bit of a context. Hezekiah came on the throne around the time that the Assyrians uh, overcame the northern kingdom. And he witnessed the destruction of the northern kingdom. And it was clear based on everything we know about Hezekiah, that he knew the reason why the northern kingdom was destroyed. Now, remember, this is Israel, the people of God, the covenant people of God, experiencing such grave and great defeat. And when we come to that place in our walk with God where we are defeated, Oft 
times it is because of self-will. We have determined to go our own way in spite of the, the foretold consequences. And then we suffer loss. The northern kingdom feared other gods. They copied the statutes of the nations, their, their neighbors. They behaved in an unrighteous manner. They built sacred places for their idols. And because the heart of God was moved with compassion for them, he sent his prophets, his seers, to give them one message. And that message is turn. And I say that that message is for you. Perhaps this is the, as I said, the last of the series of It's Not There. And I'm not sure where you are looking today to find what makes the difference in your spiritual life, but sometimes it necessitates a turning back to God. And we're going to see this in Hezekiah's life. Not that he was away from God, but we will see how he turned his face and his heart fully to seek Jehovah. And so the northern kingdom refused the counsel, the appeal of the men of God. They rejected the covenant that God entered into with them. They forsook his commands. All of this is told to us in 2 Kings chapter 17. And they sacrificed to gods and even their children. So there was a complete apostatizing from the living God himself. And so Hezekiah comes to power at 25 years old. And when he came to power, we're told that he removed the evidences of idolatry. We're told that he trusted in Jehovah. And he was a witness to what happened to the covenanted people of God who turned away from the living God. And remember, Israel was told in Deuteronomy that the very curses that came upon Egypt, those curses would overtake them if they turned to other gods and turned to the nations following their ways. My friend, God is a jealous God. His affections are towards us, his people, those in whom he indwells by his blessed Holy Spirit. And as such, we cannot take for granted that God is interested in not only walking with us, but walking in us. And so Hezekiah ruled in tumultuous times tumultuous times, 14 years into his rule, trouble came. And I want to say this to you, my friend. Many of us have encountered great challenges, uh, perhaps domestically in our homes, our relationships, perhaps at the, the churches or the congregations that we are a part of. Sometimes in the corporate setting, we encounter difficulties, tests, Trials that are larger, bigger than us, that we're not able to overcome them. They are insurmountable. And sometimes, oftentimes, 
It happens when we are living right and doing right. We are uh, attending to our walk with God, fostering that relationship, deepening that walk, taking time to meditate on holy writ, holy content, so as to mold our hearts and make us sensitive to the Spirit of God. And sometimes, while we are dedicated to that endeavor, trouble comes. But I want to say this to you. When trouble comes while we are doing the right things, God in his sovereign wisdom knows that we need this trial to fix our attention squarely and solely on him. And so I would appeal to you to remind yourself, to remind your soul that this trial that you are facing has passed through the filter of God's love and because he's a sovereign God, it cannot come into your life unless he has allowed it. So the question becomes, why? What does the Lord want me to learn about him, his ways, the deepening of our relationship? Oh, my friend, take time to ponder this, to ask God, what are you teaching me? What do you want to reveal about yourself to me? And lay yourselves open to God. And so, 14 years after Hezekiah came to the throne, trouble came. Sennacherib, the Assyrian, the king of Assyria came. And uh, <laughs> Sennacherib and Judah found themselves in a precarious circumstance. And so we learn in verses 14 to 17 of that same chapter, that is chapter uh, 17 of Second Kings, that Hezekiah willingly yielded. He yielded. And we are told that he took the silver from the house of God, from the temple, from the sacred place that was Stripped of its glory, he took the precious metals that adorned it and he gave it to this Assyrian king. And my dear friends, I have to tell you, there are times, spiritually speaking, that the sacred time, the sacred place of meeting with God has been stripped of its glory because we consider it drudgery. We consider it difficult to stay there with God until we receive an answer. And so we wonder why our devotional life has a pallor over it. Because as Hezekiah stripped the precious metals from the temple of the living God, so too that place, that sacred place, that altar, like Abraham, where I can call upon God, that has been relegated to a secondary position in our lives. And so we have no pleasure, no joy in God's presence. And we find other things to fill that space that only God and his spirit and his word ought to occupy. And when Sennacherib came, he chided the people about their reliance on Egypt, their pasts, 
He scoffed the name of Jehovah. And he ridiculed them for doing what they did in giving him precious metals. He was humiliating them. And oftentimes, scoffers come into our lives and ridicule us. Where is your God, they ask. And we are at a loss for words because we have not proved to ourselves beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is with us. We cry to God for some specific uh, petition, some need, but we are we're slow to, uh, if you will, stir our hearts up to stay with him and to remind him of his great and precious promises that he might hasten to answer and that we might have a retort to those who scoff the name of God. And so I say to you today, what do you say when the scoffers say, show me, show me your God, show me your God. My, my, my friends, this is where the turning point is. Because if we stay with God in the secret place, in the closet, as our Lord Jesus said, if we meet with God there and are faithful to that endeavor in due time, he will render to us the thing that we have spoken into his ears in secret. But we must be like that widow who came before that unjust judge and she wanted to be avenged. She wore him down because of her persistence. And so Hezekiah, when he was ridiculed, when his, his, uh, his servants came to him and told him the words of Sennacherib, he went into the house of God. He rent his garments, which was indicative of the grief of spirit that he experienced. He clothed himself in sackcloth, showing that he abhorred himself. And then he sought God's emissary, Isaiah the prophet. And the words of Isaiah came back to him, not to be afraid of the words of Sennacherib, not to be afraid of his blasphemy. And the promise came, I'll take him back to his land. But that was not enough. Because Sennacherib came back, he returned to say that God is deceiving you. And my dear friends, this is the point at which I want to make my final appeal to you. Where is your God? Satan comes in the quiet of, of the night and scoffs at us because we have no testimony. We have no proof of God's grace in answering our petitions. And so we seek others to pray on our behalf as King Hezekiah sought uh, God's manservant, Isaiah, the prophet, asking that he would intercede on their behalf. And I want to tell you, my friends, you don't need someone to intercede for you because God's ear is open to your cry. Now, don't misunderstand me. It is necessary that the people of God take time to aggregate themselves and pray one for the other. 
But at the end of the day, you, my friend, must prove that God is willing to hear your petitions and not be slack or not be weak in, in uh, not taking the time to wait on God. It takes time. And God is willing to answer. And we are not like Daniel who separated himself with prayer and fasting. He afflicted himself because it was more important that he be heard of God. And so I ask you, if God delays, is it not because he wants you to persist in seeking his face? Is it not that he wants to show you that he, it, he will be gracious to your cry? But many of us have given up hope way too early. And so God delayed, if you will, and Sennacherib returned. But I love the results of his return. You see, even though the scoffers scoff, God is still sovereign. And so Sennacherib said, God is deceiving you. And he pointed the people to the history of the northern kingdom and their destruction. But you see, this scoffer didn't realize that the reason God allowed this destruction is because his people were unfaithful to him and they apostatized. They turned away. And so I appeal to you, my friend, don't turn away. Don't turn away from God. Redouble your efforts. If need be, afflict yourself in time of fasting and wait on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And so the crisis now prevailed. And what we find is that Hezekiah, if you will, felt that Heat. He felt the heat. And we are told in verse 14 that Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and he read it. And Hezekiah went into the house of Jehovah, spread it before Jehovah and prayed before Jehovah. Now, my friends, this is the message that I have for you and for myself. God delayed that this king might turn to him wholeheartedly, not through the mouth of the emissary, but he himself before God. And for many of us, God has allowed great trial, not because he is punitive, but because he is desirous that we might wait upon him with our whole hearts. In fact, uh, we are told in, 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 in another scripture, when the seer came to King Asa in Second Chronicles, and he says, the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of him whose heart is perfect towards God. What God wants of us is to turn our attention turn our expectation, bend our knee, look at his promises, and wait for him to come to our rescue. And oftentimes we are looking to others to help. Oh, my friend, I appeal to you, turn to God in singleness of heart and wait 
until the answer comes. And so Hezekiah, and I love this, and I, I hope that this encourages you to, if you will, develop a larger view of the God that you are trusting in. He says to Jehovah, Jehovah, God of Israel, who sits between the cherubim. This is the Holy One of Israel. Now Hezekiah becomes an example to us of a heart that is singly turned to God. He says, you're the one sitting be between the cherubim. If you recall uh, in, in the earlier parts of, of the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement when the high priest went in once per year, and never without blood, but that blood was evidenced and sprinkled, if you will, in the very presence of God, in the Holy of Holies, before the Shekinah glory of God that was evidenced between the cherubim. And what Hezekiah is doing is turning his heart to God who sits in the heavens, the Supreme, the Almighty, the Eternal One. And he says, God, the very one who sits between the cherubim, the same, the God of Israel, the living God. And he says to him, you alone are the God of the kingdoms of all the earth. You alone. You're the God of the kingdoms. And Hezekiah recognized in fact, my friends, I want to pause and say this to you. Herein lies the greatest difficulty of the Christian. When our problems, our trials, our circumstances loom larger in our eyes than who God is, we feel a sense of being overwhelmed. And we've never taken the time to meditate on who the God that we believe in really is. He's the God of the kingdoms of the earth. They're all subject to him. And so Hezekiah caught this vision, broadened his view, had a high notion of who God is. And as a result of this, he proclaimed it to God himself. You're the God of all the kingdoms of the earth. But it gets better. And he says, you made the heavens and the earth. You're the creator. You sit between the cherubim. You're the eternal God. You're sovereign over the nations. You're the creator of heaven and earth, the galaxies and all that exists. My friend, with a notion like that about who God is, is it any wonder that now Hezekiah's heart is being prepared to receive the answer that he was so longing for? After he gave this Assyrian king the silver from off the, the, uh, the, the walls of the temple, after he stripped the very temple, the very meeting place of God with his people, of its glory, and then he reached out to Isaiah, the man of God. But God allowed the circumstance to remain because he's putative? No, my friend. He allowed the circumstance to remain that Hezekiah might turn to God in singleness of heart and mind with his full expectation that Jehovah will respond. But before he gets there, 
his notion of who God is, his view of who God is, needed to be broadened, needed to be deepened, needed to have grown, where he sees that God is greater than the circumstances for which he is making an appeal. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, if your vision of God is greater than your circumstance, on the authority of God's word, you will receive an answer. If your life if your walk has been devoted to remaining in his presence, if we do like the northern kingdom and leave the sacred places of God, the sacred meeting places, and allow other things, other loves to interfere with our love for God, do not be surprised that the answer will be long in coming. But if we do as Hezekiah has done, and broaden our vision, our notion of who this God that we are trusting in really is. The same, the Almighty, the Creator, the Sovereign over the nations and the governments of the world. Our asking will not pallor. Our asking will be equal to the glory of God. And so, after he acknowledges that God is who he is and that the kingdoms are subject to him and that he made heaven and earth now he makes his request incline your ear to me bend your ear to my request open your eyes he says in the 16th verse and see and hear the words of Sennacherib essentially what he's saying is this man is blaspheming your name and I'm coming to you you the eternal God the almighty God the creator of heaven and earth the ruler over the kingdoms of earth this man is nothing compared to you your sovereignty your power your holiness and it is upon this that I am relying. This is, this is a wonderful uh, example of what we all need to do. Bow, bend your ear to me. Open your eyes to see my plight. This is what we're asking God to do. I remember when I, I uh, was uh, stranded in uh, uh, St. Croix, Virgin Islands, back in, in September 2017, during Hurricane Maria. It was impossible circumstances that we found ourselves dependent upon God and his mercies. And it was 21 days of seeing God answer 16 specific requests made on behalf of myself and my family as we were there, my sister and my mom. After the, the uh, Hurricane Maria uh, essentially devastated the island. 12% of the population had electricity. And we were not part of that 12%. But we were eyewitnesses of God's ability to answer. And in three, in three examples, it was a miraculous answer to prayer under impossible circumstances. But we all came away in awe of God's ability to bend his ear to his people's cry if, and I repeat, if we are looking to
to God in singleness of heart. In other words, our dependence is not upon our friends, not upon our bank accounts, but we are looking to God and his great and precious promises as Peter wrote to the churches scattered throughout Asia. He said, unto us are given great and precious promises that by these promises you might be a partaker of his divine nature. My friends, God is desirous of stepping into your time and space, into the arena of your life, and to answer in such a way that you would know, just as he promised in in Psalm 51, call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Well, my friends, when the day of trouble comes, call. But before we call, we ought to examine our walk, our relationship with God to ensure that we are in fact walking with him. We can't disregard him, disregard the presence of the Spirit of God, do as we please and expect that God will answer speedily. And so King Hezekiah, when he witnessed the destruction of the northern kingdom, 14 years later or so, Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, came to do the same to him. And in his plight, he yielded at first in thinking that that would make the problem go away. No, it didn't make the problem go away. This king was emboldened to continue to come, to push the envelope, to press, if you will, until the people of God are humiliated because God has not responded on their behalf. And when his circumstances became dire, he cried out to God through the prophet, and God responded that he will turn this king away. But the king seemed to be persistent. And so now Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, was constrained to go to God himself. My friends, I want to say to you, I don't know what's happening in your life right now. I don't know what trials you are facing. I don't know what insurmountable circumstances that you are facing. But I know this. If you find yourself in impossible circumstances, God in his wisdom has allowed this, not for punishment, but to deepen your faith, deepen your love, deepen your walk, deepen your affections for him, and to prove that he's a very present help in time of trouble. And the only thing I would encourage you to do is, yes, you might encourage your brothers and sisters to pray on your behalf for such and such a request, but I appeal to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, that you yourself should go to God yourself and close your closet door and let him know by name that you're here to call upon him. You're here to depend on his promises. You're here to prove that he is, in fact, a living God to you. And like Hezekiah, Like this king who lived in a time of turmoil, he turned to God and said, you are the same. You're the eternal one, the one who exists and finds his seat of power between the cherubim. 
You are the God who is sovereign over the kingdoms of the earth. You are the creator who spun the heavens and the earth by the word of your power. And if you're able to do all these things, my request is easy in contrast. My dear friends, these podcasts, these conversations are but an appeal to you, the devotee, the disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ, that above every endeavor in this life, you make the primary endeavor to walk with God. This is the objective of Beside Still Waters, to encourage the Christian to develop a sacred, holy, personal, dynamic relationship with the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I trust and pray that this will be your experience, that you will see in time as you wait on God, that he in fact is a very present help in time of trouble. Oh, my friend, I appeal to you. Draw near to God, and we are given the assurance he will draw near to us. Let us cleanse our hearts. Let us mind our ways. Let us wait upon God beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.